When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal. I am Boyd Hilton. Psychic Josh is in his uh, resplendent Soho House style office. Hello, Josh. Hey, Boydo. Hey. And we're joined by the legend, the man, the superstar, wearing a very on-trend Keith Haring jumper, Jeff Indeed. Arsenal. Oh, Indeed. Evening, Jeff. Well, you know, I'm a bit of a raver, Boyd, so you yeah. know, I like to keep it. See that bit in the middle there? That's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a man like squatting, having a very good time. That is Jeff. Yeah, I've got a Keith Haring oh. um, hoodie, actually. Which I, yeah, which wearing a lot recently. I, I love his artwork. He's a yeah, genius, absolute genius. Um, we should. Uh, how should we start? Let's start by saying um, you, Josh. As I mean, we'll go on to Arsenal in a minute. Obviously, there's lots to discuss. Glory day, glory day against Watford. Mostly <laughs> glory goals. Um, there's the red shorts mystery. I'd like to address that. Ongoing, I think. Um, I'd like to address the defending. It was a bit woeful. We'll talk about that. Um, I'm going to make I mentioned Dan Baldwin's got a theory about Odegaard, which I'm going to tell you about that, which we all had, had a bet on in our WhatsApp group. I'm going to ask whether you think we should give Arteta a new contract now. Think about that. How about that? But before all that, I was annoyed. I was annoyed in the game that we let in that second goal because I predicted 3-1. So I was furious um, that we capitulated late on in the game. And letting that third go. Otherwise, I would have soared up the predictions league, Josh. Oh, it's interesting you're back into the predictions league being an important part mm. of this podcast yeah. again. After Nick True sensationally yeah. predicted every element of Arsenal's 2-1 home victory against Wolves. I mean, it was frustrating, not only to concede a goal, but just it didn't feel like that was going to have a tense ending to the game. And I mean, it wasn't too tense. I think they really had one attempt on goal in that last five-minute period which was straight at Ramsdale. But considering how comfortable we'd looked at 3-1 and it felt like 4-1 was coming and and Ketia went so close when he hit the post and a couple of other opportunities. Um, But we march on. 
and it, you know, since this into, you know, since this last break we've had, was it, you know, four wins, four games, marvelous, yep. boy, fantastic, absolutely fantastic, um, and playing great attacking football, Jeff. Um, yeah, and I've got like, to tell you, yes, tell the, me. the atmosphere in the away end. I don't know how it sounded on TV. Oh yeah, on you TV. went. To- because but it was as good as an away session as I've I've been part of in ages. It was really uh, boisterous. Um, for many years, we sang the Ian right, 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 and it, it, there was a lot of well, literally Benji white, white, white. It was yeah. like people couldn't decide is he Ben, is he Benjamin, and sort of this middle ground of Benji white, 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 Benji white, white, white was what was really uh, reverberating uh, yeah. around the uh, way end as well as Martinelli's song. It was a a jovial atmosphere. I'm not sure if I think about Jeff about uh, Ben White getting a chant using the Ian Wright chant for Ben White at this early stage in his Arsenal career. What do you think? Well, you know what? Going back, I I would emotionally call him a few other names that are quite similar <laughs> after, yeah. after that second goal. Yeah. The way he went steaming in there, but no exactly. doubt we'll get into that. But you know, overall I'm, I'm loving his play. I'm loving the way he's, you know, he, he, he's great on the ball. Um, and he, he does control and he's quite aggressive as well, which, which is really, really good. You know, but, the song, yeah, was, like a song you. at the stage, that song, that Ian Wright song re refashioned for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. well, I think they've all got to get a song now. Now we're yeah. doing quite well. You know, yeah. I think that they all deserve to have some kind of, some, some kind of song, you know, Odegaard needs a song. We've we got to oh, get on. Yeah. Odegaard needs a song. Yeah. I won't. Boy, did we'll get yeah, Dan you... Baldwin on it. We'll get Dan Baldwin on it. Is he <laughs> someone that comes up with songs? Well, he does come up with song ideas, but he also doesn't like Odegaard. He's still he's still holding out oh, no. on the Odegaard front. He's been critical of Odegaard. He's like he he likes to seize upon. I mean, I, I would say you know I'm sure he'd admit this. He likes to seize upon a player and give them a hard time in 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 you know generally. And I mean, we saw him get. I was at the match with him, not last the last match, the one before, where Odegaard was really great, and he still kind of wouldn't. He's like, yeah, but he's not scoring enough. Then he scored on Saturday, Sunday, and um, reluctantly admitted. That he is really good, but he thinks I'm going to. I'm going to discuss this now. Then, since since we've got onto Odegaard already, Jeff yeah. Dan thinks right that we're going to upgrade Odegaard by this time next year. He thinks we're going to get another player. We're going to buy another player in that position, and that Odegaard won't be an Arsenal regular in 12 months' time. And this is he's so so sure about this prediction, this frankly extraordinary prediction, that he's bet me and Tom in our Tom Smith, me and Tom both. That, that he's right. I mean, what do you think of that? Martin Odegaard is the best footballer at the club by miles, right? And you can see it game by game. He's getting stronger. He's getting more familiar with the Premier League. He's getting more familiar with his colleagues. I mean, some of his touches are unbelievable. The, the, was it the second goal when he when he's when he flicked it round the corner with his right foot? He, he's just a natural. You can see. He can see the different pictures while the ball's on its way to him. That stands him out to being a totally different footballer and the type of player that, you know, I mean, he's amazing. He's an amazing footballer. His energy is amazing. His enthusiasm. I mean, his work rate, brilliant. I love him. And he, and I think he's the best footballer at the club at the moment. And, and as, 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 as far as the song, I'm going to put my neck on the line and go, go out with it now. Odie's the king of Highbury. You remember the old Liam oh, Brady yeah. song? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd run with it now, mate. I, I really like that. Would. I like that. I'm just going to quote Josh exactly what Dan said. I just found the the offending um, text. He'll be starting on the bench more than starting in 12 months. 
Um, then his full um, assessment of him is, if we want to compete in the Champions League and at the top of the Premier League, then our number 10 position needs to be world-class. Odegaard is decent, but he's not world-class. He doesn't score enough goals. He isn't quick enough or strong enough. Against the best players, he's average, but he is a good player, a clever player, but he hasn't got the basics needed to be top-class. The same way Lacquer isn't, Jack isn't, Pepe isn't, and Eddie isn't. We'll get to, we won't to wear that. But what do you think? Is he world-class? Uh, no, I don't think he's world-class at the moment. Because what I call mm. world-class is, is to get into a world-class football team. I don't think yeah. we've got no world-class footballers, you know. Or really? maybe a Saka? World... Saka? On, on no, Saka no, on not, would he get in front of, I mean, would he get in front of Mbappe on that side of the pitch? Or would he get in front of... I think he'd play for England, wouldn't he? I think he'd be, he's going to be a regular England player. I think he's going to be playing in the World Cup. Oh, for sure. Listen, he, he, another one's come on leaps and bounds. And he's get, he, again, he's got stronger. He looks so much more confident now. And... Um, I mean, yeah. he was he was he was unbelievable yesterday as well. Yeah, one of his best uh, games, wasn't it? But I don't think Odegaard is he, quite world class yet. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets there. And the same mm. with Saka, and mm. there would be big teams that would, if he was up for sale today, they'd both get they'd both get plenty of interest yeah. in them. Yeah, Josh, what do you think about the, uh, Dan's um, rant about Odegaard? Well, he's clearly not happy, Dan. He's articulated that. Do you get permission to read out these these messages? Oh, They're in your private no, group. Or have you sought the permission? I think he's. I think he's public about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hope so. I mean, there's plenty. Put it this way: there's plenty of messages I wouldn't read out from the group that, but that which are okay. libelous. Yeah, I'm, I'm censoring okay. those. But any in particular? Huh? <laughs> any in particular, boys, um, that you wouldn't read out? No, no. Well, uh, no. If I, if you if I tell you, then I'm trying read to trick. Them out. Not without a few cancellations, anyway. Exactly, exactly. Well, look, I, I mean, you've got to say, uh, Odegaard has, has possibly been the success story of the season, possibly. I mean, you know, I'd still, you know, vow that Saka is probably our most um, influential player, you know, certainly the one you turn to and expect a bit of, a bit of magic from. But if you think back towards the end of last season and, you know, will he be with us next season? There was certainly an amount of, uh, you know, uh, disagreement within the fan base how, how important that was to try and keep him at the ball club. And here we are, seven, eight months later, and 34 million is, is in today's market looking like fairly um, good business. And he's, he looks like he's going from strength to strength. And the relationship on the pitch that he seems to have with Saka is is absolutely crucial to everything that's good um, about Arsenal at the moment, and he is he also always showing. It looks like he's always showing for the ball. You know, whether that's coming off at one one of the fullbacks. You know, he he's he wants to be involved. Busy, doesn't go hiding. He takes responsibility and has found a way to make himself indispensable to to this team in a way that wasn't necessarily the case earlier in the season. It sort of feels a. You know, was it? Sort of, I guess you know, maybe three three months ago, November, December. He, his influence has become greater um, ever since there. So, I'm I'm probably more in the Jeff camp than the Dan, but possibly slightly in between the two. Yeah, I think he's, I think I think he's got a point about the lack of goals, and I think and, and you know, when you compare him to you know like Kevin De Bruyne or something, you know, in fact, if you watch the Kevin Kevin De Bruyne's performance for City yesterday, was you know another classic from him. And if you think about other players in that position in other clubs, they do, you know, they do produce more goals. But I feel like 
That will, I mean, the fact he scored a really good goal against Watford. Um, I think he scored five this season, which, you know, it's not great, but it's not terrible. And I do feel like he's the creative, his creativity is there for all to see, isn't it, Jeff? It's like he, yeah, cool. his little flicks and um, backflips and all, all that. And well, he's got more responsibility. Yeah. Uh, and he is the, 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 the main creator, we'll call it. Yeah. In that particular part of the midfield. Um, I mean, down that right-hand side, like you say, even, to, I mean, fair play to him, even even Cedric has, has stepped up to the bait a little bit better down that right-hand side with Odegaard and, and Saka. Um, the left-hand side I'm a little bit more concerned about, to be perfectly honest with you. But uh, he, he has got a little bit more responsibility to create rather than uh, score goals. But, if he gets a, a few more players around him or they, they're a little bit better or um, the mature, like they all maturing at the moment together uh, and they, they learn a lot more about each other. I think he will, you know, it, it will be let off the leash and he might get a few more goals. Yeah, I would, uh, I would have to have to agree with that. And I think, um, we, we will see a better return on, on the goal side, like in the in the last sort of dozen dozen thirteen games that we've got than perhaps we've seen pro rata earlier in the season. Um, I just think also, you know, we have to respect, you know, Norwegian captain um, at the age at the age of years, and and obviously there was such hype around him as a, as a young player and a, a huge move to Real Madrid, but to so sort of become international captain in your, in your early twenties, but okay, you know, not one of the outstanding football forces in in Europe in Norway, but but certainly not a you know a, a national team to to be discarded. It you know shows something about him, and you know Lacazette's. You know we we talked about his likely impending departure. Boy, do you disagree and bet everyone you could about five hundred quid that he's he's going to stay, <laughs> but. Odegaard has to be, you know, possibly in with a reckoning. You know, doesn't he have a, a potential armband? I, I, oh, I think you. you know, I, I think he's favourite yeah. to be captain. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, definitely. Because I think, um, I think uh, Alteta loves him. I, I think he is. You can visually see his leadership qualities on the pitch. He is gene people up a lot and kind of telling people where to go. And he just feels the captainy already to me. So, yeah, captainy. Yeah, is that your captain? It's a technical captain. term. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, he must have been. He must have been some player. You yeah. know, obviously at a younger level to get picked up by someone like Real Madrid, with a side that they had back in those days. I mean, they had all the Galaticos and everything else, and um, top top player. He must have been. So he knows. He knows the feeling. What it's what it's like to be, um, you know, to have a, a good time at a younger age in a, a, a top football team. So if he can carry that on now and play more for Arsenal, I mean, I think he's made a vast improvement. And I think he will, um, it will become that top, top player. Yeah, I think I agree. I think he's, uh, I really admire him. And I think, I think, I think he'll be, uh, he's a, the bargain, you know, he's absolute bargain. What was it? 34 million. I mean that, you know, he, even if Dan has a point about, you know, we all agree to score my goals. He is, you know, he's quite a kind of um, slight figure in some ways. I know what he means about that, but absolute bargain, 34 million. Like, and, and we needed that. We desperately needed creativity. Didn't we? Do you remember like a year ago, compare yeah. that we're playing now, compare we're playing now to like a few months ago. In fact, really. And yeah. it's it's astonishing the, the level of he's just managed to Arteta, and I'm going to throw myself 
on the mercy of our listeners and of Josh and of you and of everyone. And I'm going to say that I feel now, you know, that I, I think I was wrong about Teta in, in a key, in a couple of key ways. First of all, I didn't think he had it in him. I didn't think he had it in him to get a, a kind of real proper attacking quality football um, team together in this short period of time. Because uh, we're not only winning, you know, I could see, but, but we're actually playing really, really good football. And again, think three or four months ago, every now and then we had a fairly decent game, but we we were still passing backwards and forwards and side backwards and sideways and not forwards. And it was still very, I thought, clunky football. But he's totally turned that around. So I give him credit for that in quite a short space of time. And the thing I think I really need to um, give him credit for was actually the big decision making of getting rid of Aubameyang. Mm-hmm for example. And I think I totally approved of what he did with Ozil, you know, and I totally approved of getting, you know, he made mistakes in some of the older players that we bought, but Williams and all of that, but he did, we did get rid of them. But the Aubameyang thing this season, I thought it was misguided because I could just see, and maybe, maybe still in the, in, in the, in the, in the end of the season we've got, maybe, you know, Lacazette will get injured and maybe we'll stop scoring goals. But at the moment we're scoring goals freely without, Lacazette scoring any. So all the other young creative players are doing brilliantly and showing they can score goals. And we just look better, don't we, without Aubameyang. And Aubameyang's doing well for Barcelona anyway. So he's happy. You know, we're happy. I think the mood in the the dressing room is clearly more together now. Or that, you know, that you can see the way they celebrate goals and the way they talk to each other and all of that. I just feel that, that, and I was worried about that decision. I thought that was going too far. I thought it was, I thought his treatment of Aubameyang was unfair. Now I think actually the bigger picture is that he's stamped his authority to use that awful cliche on this team and this club in a way that other young managers fail to do. Like, you know, Man United guy, you know, um, even, you know, I can think of loads of young, decent young, you know, Frank Lampard, you know, when he was managing Chelsea. I think he's doing a really good job of coming coming across as a very, a very charismatic, forceful, do it my way. And I think it's working. I think it's really working. Yeah, 100%. And you know what? Like I said before, we, 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 we all, we, the club needed a culture change. Yeah. yeah. It was very, it got very soft under Wenger. Uh, the players really didn't buy into Unai Emery, the way he played and the way, uh, you know, he, he, I think he struggled to get his points across. Yeah. Uh, but with, with Mikel, he understands the Premier League. And, you know, going back to the time when we all thought it was a bit of a, we took the Mickey out of him about the process and everything else. When he said that, he knew it was gonna it was gonna take a lot longer than what we want to get. Our football fans were very impatient. We want everything overnight. And he knew that it was going to take a lot longer than what how we wanted it to, to take long. You know, so and now we are we can we can, I mean from the start of the season, then first three games until now, um, I think it's been miraculous to change around. To think about us being in the top four this time of the year. After those first three games, I would have thought you're, you're, you're off your head. You're crazy. Even after a half a dozen games and the way we were playing, but the way as slowly the process has slowly moved on, and we've got better and better and better. Um, I think he, you know he's got a, he's done a great job at the moment. Mm. Yeah, oh, he has. Yeah, and um, I think almost whatever happens, you know. I, the top, we're now favourites for the top four. We keep consolidating that. We keep winning. You know, on the, Sky Sports had a chat after the Man U Man City game yesterday. A brilliant Roy Keane 
Gary Neville, Micah Richards, your mate, Josh, um, Jamie Redner. What a debate that was. Just the whole – I don't did you watch it, um, Jeff? No. No, no I never. No. It was, it, was, it was so funny. I mean, A, because first of all, you know, Roy Keane was so devastated about May United being absolutely shit. Yes, yes, yes. But, but Boyd, even before the game, you were getting yeah. Piers Morgan retweeting you with your boy band analogies of how they walked out the five of them. Well, right? they did this. It was it was such a it was a magical day for Sky Sports. Yeah, they did this whole in the build up, Jeff. They did this whole walk and talk, lavish walk and talk. Um, Dave Thingy, what's his name? The presenter, Dave um... Jones. Dave, Dave Jones. Dave Jones. Dave Jones suddenly went. They're having a chat on the on the pitch at, at, at Man City, and he goes, "Let's have a let's have a walk around." And they literally glided together, the five of them, wow. <laughs> onto the pitch. And the camera moved. But the funniest bit was, everyone was like, "They look like boy, but they look like you know, boy band, take that or whatever." But then the fun, the, the punchline for the whole thing is they were glide, they're walking in a line, and, and it was beautifully directed. It was fantastic. And then that you saw the um, the director, the, the the assistant director, or whatever. In in shot, showing telling them to stop, telling them to stop, and then he quickly ran out of the way. It was hysterical. It was absolutely hysterical. So yeah, I tweeted that and I got it went quite viral. Go I, and I, I, I might I'm, I might watch that back. To, you to, gotta watch it back. Have, check check out my my um. It was funny. My Twitter and but, the punditry afterwards. And the punditry afterwards. That. Oh, it was so. Fu- I mean, Roy King obviously is always great value, but he was fucking furious. I, and he was, and uh, Micah, being a Man City fan, ex Man City player, etc., was was riling him up anyway. And at one point, I thought Roy King was actually going to punch Micah Richards. I was, I was, I was, I was quite scared for him. Um, <laughs> and Micah held his own, kept taking the piss out of him, absolutely yeah. staunchly, brilliantly taking the piss. And Roy Keane was not happy. So my question to Josh was, Josh, having working with Michael, did they make friends afterwards? Did they all go out for dinner? Oh, they're, they're absolutely. The, the respect is, is there between them all. They really, they really get on. I think it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, the emotion that they still have, um, you know, being, you know, so close, I think, to respective clubs. Like, you know, it's a long time since Roy Keane played for Man United. It's a long time since Gary Neville played for Man United. And a while since Mike had played for Man City, but the the passion for the clubs is is still there. Um, and I think it's nothing new, right? We've seen Roy kind of go on a similar, um, you know, rant, if you want to call it a rant, after Man United performances, you know, it, over the last couple of years. And I think it's genuine. It's just genuine emotion and frustration that he's seen this club decline to the level it is. And a desire to see it sort of, you know, to, to see it return to the level it was, I guess, when, when him and, and him and Gary were, were playing. But there's the respect between all of them and, uh, you know, they all get on. Yeah. And I think, you know, once, um, you know, you're, you're not an heir and I think you, I you thought, sort of calm down a little bit. It's, yeah. um, it's Michael, Michael was right, though, because he was made the point that, um, first of all, he made the point that the whole Manu situation with the, with the caretaker manager and then, you know, the whole plan is preposterous. And Gary Neville was kind of defending it. Saying you know you know what else could they do because they can't get Pochettino immediately and he was like I I I was totally with um, Michael on that and then they discussed Arsenal a bit and the top the race for the top four and of course they're still clinging you know Gary Neville was like I still think Man U could probably do it and, you know like clearly not fully doesn't fully believe so I think but what was fascinating was Dave the presenter asked them all you know asked whether the Arsenal model you know of, of at least having a plan. 
um, investing in these young players, giving them a chance, having the youngest, you know, obviously we, everyone knows we've got the youngest squad team in the Premier League, all of that. And the way that Arteta's got them playing in a style of football, he basically said, should Man United start following the Arsenal model to Roy Keane and um, Gary Neville? What's interesting was they both kind of went, Man United's a different kind of club. It's too big. It's too big a club to do that. And I thought that was fascinating because I that makes me feel really good that actually... Even though, and, and Gary Neville's like, oh, Manu's spending power is way more than us. So they have to buy. And that, but in a way, that's played into this whole situation, isn't it? Because Man United consider themselves to be, and they are one of the richest clubs in the world, super club, et cetera, et cetera. A bigger club than Arsenal. And, you know, as an Arsenal fan, I feel like there's no bigger club. You have to acknowledge they do have more money than us. They certainly yeah. spend way more money than us. But they feel they have to buy these superstar players. And they're a fucking mess, aren't they? You know, the, the Ronaldo situation. And I look at what they've done. And the absolute mess they've made from from the from the you know every level aboard to the managers they've selected to the tactics to the purchasing and all of it it's a fucking disaster. Whereas us now, I feel Arsenal now it's almost is the model dare we say it of a well-run club from top to bottom. Yeah. Well, it, it, there's something also to be said not only for everything that you've outlined there, boy, correctly, but the unity that now seems to be there from maybe a Arteta being ruthless, if you want to call that, with getting rid of what he might call the bag eggs. Because even from friends of mine who are, you know, football journalists and, you know, know certainly people around Manchester United, it, it's not made up that there are leaks going on, that there is general unhappiness from, from certainly those I speak to. That this is a genuine, you know, situation. There is the division over a lot of issues going on uh, at the club at the moment. And uh, I think that has to play a role in what ultimately is produced on the, on the pitch. And I think that's what we're seeing at the moment. And Arsenal, for the bravery, perhaps, of of culling the squad. I mean, forget, you know, the Gwendouzis or Ozil or Bamiang all have gone in similar fashion. I can't really think of another club that have, you know, disposed no. of, of three players publicly no. anyway. Um for clearly sort of falling short of the expectations um, of the manager. And then, of course, I mean, there's a number of players that, you know, not only have left the club, but appeared in the Premier League for us, you know, this season, you know, Reese Nilsson, uh, you know, Balogun played, they had to play the race start of the season, obviously, uh, Kalazinac, Chambers, Pablo Mari, Maitland Niles, you know, they've been also brave in kind of going, no, we can get through this season on a, on a small squad. So you have and to give credit say, to the, to the club. Absolutely. Let's say it could still go wrong. You know, I think now we're at the point, aren't we, Jeff, where if we don't get top four, we're going to be fucking gutted. Aren't we? It's like it's, now it's, it's completely gone that way. Yeah, well, it can, it can go wrong. It can, it can. I mean, we've got three huge games against obviously United, Chelsea and Spurs, you know, and I, I really don't know how we're going to get on in, in, yeah. in those games, sure. you know, but so, so it can go wrong. That's, that's a nice yeah. nine points. Carry on, yeah. But we've got, I mean, the thing that you can't, we've got 14 more points, haven't we, than last season, I believe, is the stat. I, yeah. mean, that is, I mean, there's now, I think we can all, you know, we're all, we're all told we have to be careful, you know, we can't go too far. Well, we've definitely improved, I think, fairly massively. But to uh, be honest with you, but again, you know, we should be, we should be in this position anyway, because we, we, we haven't had that Europe. You know, we, we, it's just the domestic stuff that we've had to deal with. Right, uh, yeah. and that that is the reason why he could 
Uh, I think it would have been a lot different uh, sending all those players away and selling them and putting them out on loan or whatever. If we were st- if we were still in a European competition, or if we were in a European yeah, competition, that's a good point. we've had that time, we've had that comfort of, of doing that this season, and we are really where we are should be. We should we are supposed to be in in this fifth, fourth, or fifth. We should be we should be up there anyway. Really, with the with the uh, you know only the domestic leagues we've had to deal with this year. Yeah, and, and you know Lee Dixon's making the point, isn't he? I, I think quite regularly that we could we could overtake Chelsea because if you, if you look at it, we've got a game in hand and we're five points behind. I mean, I, I kind of agree. I don't think we will. I think Chelsea. You know, I think unlike but, but I was, I was looking at that two weeks ago. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking, we we can do this. We're on a bit of a yeah. we've got a bit of momentum, and when you know with that momentum, if you can just keep it going, like Leicester did when they won the league, you know, uh, you just got to keep one game at a time and to keep yeah. knocking knocking them skittles down, you know. Yeah. But like you say, we've got three big teams to play. I've got off, we haven't even just talked about the match very much, which we should do. So we'll take a quick break. And after the break, we'll talk more about our favourite goals in the uh, Watford game. And we're back from the break. Um, what was your favourite goal, Josh, of the three, of the three stonkers? That we scored Martinelli's. I mean, one, it was down at the end that we were as the, okay. the away section, but I also think it was, you know, just an outstanding goal. I mean, we, we sing Lacazette's song, don't we? About, you know, he's our Frenchman number nine, scoring goals is what he does best. We <laughs> might have to change that for holding up the ball and laying it off is what he does best because I'm not sure this season it is scoring goals that he, no. he does best, but his contribution um, has, has been outstanding. And the way that goal, you know, creates itself, we have to give credit to Arteta for his cheeky um, way that he sort of got the game going. You know, came out of his his technical area, and, and Cedric, to be fair, was was very quick to to get on his bike and see the opportunity. Um, I just uh, I loved the strike from Martinelli, the way it sort of curled away. Um, and went into the top corner. That was, you know, my favourite goal. And at that point, you really felt like, you know, it's, it's just a matter of Arsenal racking up a, a few more goals. But, um, you know, you, you see the tweets of uh, saying, you know, Wenger would have been proud of this, right? It did, it did feel a little bit like that. You know, it was exciting, incisive attacking play with a with a wonderful finish. Um. The incredible thing, I agree. I agree with you. The, the uh, that goal, the Martinez goal, was just extraordinary, wasn't it? The, the, I think the Arteta get grabbing the ball and um, and giving it to um, to Zaka moment and Zaka's quick thinking. The whole thing was like almost like they'd, they'd done it in the in in you know on on the training pitch. It was such a beautifully fast fast thinking. I think more from Zaka, absolutely like he knew that Arteta was going to give him the ball and then he just fucking, and then, and then about a split second later, the bang of an eyelid would scored. It was fucking inc- amazing. But I think um, that kind of moment for Arteta, because I do think, uh, I think now like you can admire him. You know, I think I, I've admired Arteta, if you know, more and more as, as the season's going on, but now I'm starting to really like him as well, which I definitely wasn't doing in any way. And that moment I think could be key. I'm not, I, you know, I like to exaggerate things. So for me, that moment symbolised it was such a brilliant thing that he did. It was so quick thinking. And I've, of course, you know, I've, you watch him on the sideline and he's kind of playing, 
taking part in the whole game, playing the whole game on on his own, you know, on the touchline. But that moment made all of that seem worthwhile because he because because of the way he the way he made that goal. Basically, he totally was responsible for creating that goal. So, in every way, I loved his quick speedness of thought. I think it shows that he's a real. I think and his reaction afterwards in the post interviews was very funny. He was kind of wryly funny about the whole thing. Zucker's speed of thought, the perfect finish. That was an absolutely historic goal, wasn't it? Well, I think that's how he's coaching them. And he, I, I believe that, you know, where he's coached with top, top-class coaches like Pep, that's how Pep would coach. And, and Pep, I would imagine Pep would say, listen, you know, these uh, physical teams, that they haven't got as much ability as you, but they are very strong and physical. They're going to be as fit as you, but they will switch off. And when they switch off, you've got to be switched on. And that is exactly the point what I think he would have put across yesterday. You've got to be switched on. Because when the ball goes out like that, those players that are not quite the, 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 the level that, you know, that top, top quality level, they switch off at a couple of seconds, and which they did what for. They switched completely off. Arteta just got hold of the ball, slung it to, to Saka and, and, and Saka, where he switched on. They've, they've, they've got it in play quick, and, and, and that was it. I mean, it, it was a great goal, though. But you are right. But I think again, that's his coaching. That's the kind. That's the kind of stuff that over the course of the time, if we give him time, they'll all be buying into it, and they'll all be turned on to it. You know, I can imagine him stopping training, and, and saying, "Right, you know, you've got to be switched on in that moment because mm. blah, 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 blah." You know, and they yeah. will. He's, he's a good teacher. Did you see Josh that um, Keith Hackett, the referee? Do you see what he tweeted about that goal? I'll read it to you. He said, so in the 50, 51st minute, 51, 33 seconds, the ball goes out of play for an Arsenal throw-in. Arteta runs well outside his technical area, picks up the ball, throws it to his player, and he responds by throwing it straight into play, catching Watford out and scoring. Manager should have received a yellow card, says Keith Hackett, right? This was, <laughs> this was yesterday. And I know people did. What was interesting was, I kind of, it was so quick as I said, you know, that I don't think anyone thought about whether he was in his technical area or not. And then after, they didn't mention it on the commentary, I don't think. I'm pretty sure they didn't. Um, I haven't no, watched it back. Yeah, no, they didn't. Um, I, did they mention a match today? I can't remember. Then Keith, But then the funny thing is Keith Hackett then tweeted himself um, later saying, I've just seen another angle that gives a different perspective on the Arteta position. Therefore, I've changed my view on this incident. So... <laughs> There's a shock. There's a shock. So, <laughs> I've done some work with Keith Hackett, boy. Oh. Would you like him to come on, a, come on as a podcast guest? Would you like that would be amazing, yeah. That would be brilliant. I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's an Arsenal fan. We can make an Doesn't exception. Matter. A, we can all, I want to ask... He's actually, a very nice man. Oh, good. It's funny you should say that, because I've, I've for a long time I've wanted to ask one of the referees about the whole conspiracy theory, you know, thing. You know, but the, the Arsenal fans. That's a great okay. shot. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to drop Keith uh, an email Excellent. and see if he will be willing to uh, to come on, and uh, you can read out more of his tweets. Yeah, uh, it was great. I mean, uh, I really, I've got to say, the whole thing. I I enjoyed the uh, trip, the, the the unity that, that it feels like there is in the away end at the moment. We scored three, you know, really lovely goals, and you know, on the way home, we were all talking about how exciting it will be to have the opportunity to go on champ. you know, to dream your sort of Champions League away trips in a way that when, you know, we're a bit younger, we just, just took it absolutely for granted that, you know, we'd have the opportunity to go away with some friends for a day or two and, and do trips. Jeff, you used to like uh, the odd European away day? Yeah. I, 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 you know what? I, I would do, I would go, you know, we, we generally did get past the, the group stages um, and all we do, 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 I do one 
in the next round. And if we if we went through that round, I would just continue on until we got knocked out. You know, and that's what when people said, you know, well, I don't mind getting knocked out of Europe. I love, I, even at the Emirates, I love them European nights. There's something different about them. Mm. Uh, and I love the European nights. And the away, the away trips are fantastic. You know, so, uh, you know, hopefully we can get back into it. Hopefully we can get back in the Champions League. But when we get back in the Champions League, well, are we get, you know, it's no good just going into it. You've got to, you've got to compete in it to a certain level. Well, we'll, we'll be getting through the group stage. This seems good enough to get through a Champions yeah. League group stage, I think. I mean, tough, but I think. Um, oh, Texas was interesting. Yeah, hopefully it won't be another Bayern yeah. Munich, uh, yeah. you know, inevitability. But, hey, we've got some games to worry about before that all happens. I was just going to say though, but it's a good point about you know we want to we, we don't just want to qualify we want to have a squad. But Arteta was interviewed I think on Sky before the game and he was saying basically that this the transfer window the summer transfer window is really like that he really wants it to them to step up and almost like he seems to be implying that he want the kind of signing he wants to make isn't necessarily you know it's it, I'm, I'm sure it still will fit the age um, structure but like a bigger you know I think he, you know from the sound of it he has he knows that we've got to have bigger, better players in certain key positions. I mean, I guess up front is the obvious one. I mean, I can, you know, I know it's a ridiculous thing to say, but people have been going on about how Odegaard is friends with Erling Haaland, you know, stuff like that. And I'm not in any way, <laughs> I don't for a minute believe that we're going to buy Erling Haaland, but I'd like us to start thinking about that kind of level, at least of, you know, of player. Uh, well, irrespective, we'll get Erling Haaland or not. I mean, if you look at our bench yesterday, it's quite clear that we do yes. need to. We yes. need an upgrade in, in in a lot of the a lot of the staff, a lot of the playing staff. We we'll let a load of exactly. players go. You know, a lot of internationals we we'll let go. We need to we need to reboot again, and and you know we've got to higher the ceiling again. You yeah. know, if we one thing about the game yesterday, which we should discuss. I mean, the, the goals were fantastic. Saka, one of his best games. You know, played every, our only players played every single fucking league game. What 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 a, what a guy! What a man! But defensively, some issues. I think um, we should we should mention um, Tierney. You know, I saw I saw Alan Alga, for example. A couple of people on Twitter were saying, you know, is Tierney that good? And, and Alan, in his classic Alan way, was like, I never said he was that good. He's always been flawed. And I think I know what he means because I think defensively, I don't think he's the greatest defensively, is he? And there was a period where almost every attack, our only attacking option, it felt like, was Tierney bombing up on the left, getting to the byline and lobbing in a, a cross, which half the time the crosses weren't that great. They were, you know, often, you know, fast and powerful. So I feel like now, with so much more action happening on the right-hand side, particularly, and through the middle, because we're not relying on Tierney, as we used to, you know, in, in the dark days, that he now feels more like he's just another one of our lovely young players that we really like. So I don't feel like a big... I don't feel like... I don't think I've changed my mind about him. I, I think he is what he is. I think he's a really... I think he's a brilliant guy to have in the team. I don't think he's the best defensive player, uh, fullback in the world, but I don't think it really matters either because I think we've adapted the style of play, haven't we, to suit that. Jeff, you're on mute. I'm sorry about that. Uh, you know, to, to be quite frank on, 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 on Kieran Tierney, I, I don't think in an ideal world, in an ideal Mikel Arteta team, I don't think he gets in the team. Wow. Really? Yeah, I do, honestly, I, I, you know, I've, I've got a problem with his fitness. Uh, I don't think he can go through a 60-game season without having a, a few breaks. I'm not I'm not even sure he, he, he's that 
I'm, I know it's, it's really, really harsh, maybe. No, but I'm not honest. sure. Yeah, well, I, I'm not. Sure. I'm really not sure he's that good on the ball, uh, technically. All right, he's 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 okay. He's he's quite aggressive in his in his attacking when he gets he puts his mind to it when he does go down at left hand side. But um, if he can't outpace somebody, and, and the higher level you go up, you'll come across. Uh, very fast, better, technically right fullbacks, which is down on that side. So he won't be able to do that. And I, sometimes I do think he gets a little bit ill-confident himself. You mm-hmm. see it sometimes where we just turn inside like we used to do before. And you're right what you said, Boyd. You know, he was a, he was like one of our superstars maybe a year ago, but maybe the ceiling was lower then. Yeah, we, oh, yeah. We, and we, we, we didn't have the – we wasn't playing like we were, we are now. We didn't have the type of players. We wasn't playing that type of way. Uh, and that's all we was grabbing onto. And he was brilliant at the time. Mm. You know, and he was the shining yeah. light. But yeah. I think, unfortunately, we, you know, we, we might be overtaking him now. And I think, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd love him. I do love him. I think he's brilliant. He's brilliant. But I do think that, you know, if we, re- we want to go where we really, really want to go, I think we need something better than that. Wow. Interesting. I think we're fine. I think he's fine. I don't think we need to get rid of him or anything, but I think I think I think it's good that there's competition in that role, you know, to some extent. Um, but I do think it's fine. Josh, what do you think? No, I'm probably not not quite as critical as as Jeff has just been there um, with Kieran. I felt that it was an interesting scenario earlier in the season when Tavares had mm. come into the team, and I think the assumption from many was that. Kieran Tierney would immediately be restored to the team. And and possibly the fact that he wasn't gives just a little insight into what Arteta feels on him. But then again, as soon as he did get his opportunity back in the team after, you know, four or five games, I think, of of being on the bench, um, he is stuck with him. And and I think rightly so. Um, Look, I I don't think it's the first area, you know, of, of concern necessarily, Right now, you know, I, th- I think we'll, mm. we'll 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 strengthen up top um, first first and foremost. Um, I am a fan enough of, of Kieran and Tierney to think that he warrants a place in an Arsenal team that can come forth. And uh, yeah, I uh, I'm I'm probably a bit more bit more pro. And, and his attitude is you know oh. exceptional. And yeah. you know, I he's think probably yeah. one of the most popular. Yeah, I think maybe he was put off by the red shorts because we know we know he likes the black pants and white shorts. He surely well, have you got the, an answer as to why we did this? No, book? I've like I've spent. I mean, I have been working today in my like three sure. different jobs I've got. You know, working on three different magazines, and I've been you know watching right. stuff for work. show off. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, do you know what I, I must mention? There's a really this documentary that um, our friends at Four Seventy Three have made. Do you know about this? They made the documentary about the Super League. Which is going to be yeah, but the Star. premiere is bang in the middle of Arsenal yeah. Liverpool, isn't it? Oh well, I've I've seen I've been watching it already. I've got access to it already. So. Oh, I see. No, yeah. I, I saw the yeah. the premiere is is at the Finsbury Park. Oh, oh well, I've been house during Arsenal Liverpool, which is oh, a, well, a, a, a shame. That's ridiculous. It's going to be on twenty first of March on Sky now and now. It's really fascinating. I've I've watched about half of it already, um, and it's so it's interesting. That, yeah, it's brilliant. It's a, just the whole, you know, just reminding you of how insane that period was when, yeah. you know, it suddenly was announced that there was going to be a Super League and then it disappeared about four, three days later. Yes, Josh? 
Uh, I believe our friend Tim Payton is, Tim, is a contributor. Tim Payton Tim? is in it, correct? Tim Payton of this very parish and of Arsenal Sports Trust is in it. Um, and Nikki Bandini, who's a very good football writer, she's in it. Um, uh, and various other... Um, but also they've got, like, um, president of, of La Liga and UEFA, and they've got big, big people in it. Anyway, big hitters. Big hitters. It's fascinating. So, so that's the side point. What was I saying? Oh, yeah, my jobs. Uh, like, today, I have very busy... <laughs> Like, lots of things to do. But I tried to ask as many people as I could what the fuck was going on with the red shorts. No one knows. No one knows. It's it's like it's the Arsenal mystery of our time, Jeff. Is, it, only- is it? I think it's... I think it's, it's... I think it's maybe only the third time we've, we've worn red, red shorts. Yeah. I think there yeah. was one a couple of seasons ago and then Apparently. one a hundred years back or something, you know? Yeah. I'm not yeah. sure. But, but I mean, it was bizarre. Someone said on it another... really threw me at the game because I, you know, got in just poor kickoff and was sort of looking at it and I was like, something's not right. I couldn't put my finger on yeah. it. I couldn't quite work it out straight away. It took took a minute for me to, to for us all to sort of query uh, why we're doing it, and then immediately went on Twitter, assuming I'd immediately find out the answer. And Twitter was no help. It's an absolute mystery in the club. You know, loads of people tweeting the club asking. They're absolutely ignoring it, <laughs> completely ignoring it officially. It's so. Well, they must really don't know. Yeah. Do you the think there's a reason? We don't know. I think. Do you think right. it's like a campaign? Like we're going to find out? Do you know it was like a? First of all, the other know, thing is something. Well, no, I don't think it is a campaign. I think something somewhere. I think it's something like, and this is a total theory that I plucked out of the air, but it's definitely a, like I think. Arteta or someone has gone, because it was our decision. I think that's that's definitely what all the journalists seem to have ascertained. The one thing they've ascertained was Arsenal were not told to do it. Arsenal decided to play in red shorts and red tops. Mismatching, by the way, different colour of red shorts. That, that's what made it worse. It was slightly off, slightly not the same colour, right? The, uh, the Arsenal red as the tops. And I think it was something to do with like Arteta might have just gone, oh, why don't we try this, like to make us stand out more or something like that. So do you remember back in the day there was a, when I think Man U played Southampton and, and, and um, Ferguson gray. complained about the, the grey? Yeah. You know, I think it's something like that, 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 they, that um, Arteta just thought, oh, he's he just, just came up with it, came up with the idea. Someone needs to ask him. It's a very crucial, it's the most important thing to find out because it's such a fucking mystery. But, but it is bizarre. It's bizarre that no one knows. <laughs> well, I, I hope he, I hope he does perform like that all the time when he doesn't leave any stone unturned. You know, right? Yeah, he seems like a no stone unturned kind of guy, doesn't he? Now, he must have approved it. That's that, that's definite, right? So if it was Arsenal's decision, Arteta must have gone. Yeah, we're playing red shorts. Why the fuck did it happen? I looked to see if you could buy these red shorts on the Arsenal website, but it just said sold out um, anywhere well, I could find them. They're sold so. out now. Yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was most probably it. was a marketing tool. I don't know. I don't know if it was. I think maybe. Maybe. No, no definitely not. It's true. No. All right. Yeah. Um, it was uh, unusual. Very, very unusual. I wanted to mention some stats. There are some interesting stats. So Lacazette, I wanted to mention Lacazette. Yeah, we, 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 we've got to get to predictions soon. But Lacazette, we know about his goal scoring, and you're right about the chant, Josh. Have you seen the stat, though? Lacazette is the first Arsenal player to provide as many as seven assists across a nine-game period since Ozil in January 2016. Since the West Ham game in December, Lacazette has provided more assists in the Premier League than any other player. So it's not just that he's doing well, you know, without scoring. It's actually linking up these fucking young guys he's got around him brilliantly. He's doing that job to such an extent. He's undroppable, really. So it's kind well, of well. There's no alternative, really. I, I mean, know. No, it's well, serious alternative. Eddie, 
you know, Eddie's come yeah, on. Yeah, Eddie know, or I'm Martinelli not, up front. There's no real. I know. But it's not like, it's not the situation where you just say, you know, I, 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 going back years, you know, I remember people saying this about Giroud, you know, oh, he doesn't score many goals, but all the other work he does. And I always thought, oh, really? But now we're watching, like I said, I think it really is palpably true that what how he's playing right now is is just fantastic without fucking scoring. And he did looked angry. Talk, in, talking in of Giroud, did you, did you see Giroud's big goal yesterday? No, I missed that. Yeah, he uh, he scored the uh, the only goal as a uh, Milan one at Napoli for a massive win to send AC Milan top. So he's still doing the business, Olivier. Good for him. Amazing. The old French mm. lamppost, yeah. Yeah, the lamppost. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but you're right. I mean, back to Lacazette. Is it is it is so Im- impressive? Um, you know, he's comfortably our top assister uh, in the in the Premier League. You know, this, this season. And much as we don't really have a striker that's scoring goals at the moment. I think there was a really good piece in the Athletic today. I don't know if you had an opportunity to to read it, boy, but it was loads of statistical yeah. analysis uh, on our season so far, and it was you know talking about the XG of uh, of Arsenal and and how really it's in, it's increased sort of since November, or certainly since you know Aubameyang's last game. I think they were comparing it to our XG has gone up noticeably, and oh, Lacazette's build up and uh, and contributions has been a, a huge part of that so you know we we've stumbled or, or found ourselves in a in a situation where you know touch where we don't have too many injuries you know i think yesterday you'd say sort of Tom, tommy astor was obviously smith row as well but you know very few injuries a lot of COVID, players right? yeah a lot of yeah. players coming into to to form who have improved under arteta this season and so the, so the yeah, question i think is- it will Go on, so the question is, Josh, for you, for you boys, what mm. do you do uh, at the end of the season? You got Lacazette that's out of contract. Do you? Well, how do you? How him, do you run with it? Keep him. Give him another year. Definitely. Apps. Hundred percent. Well, he won't want a year, will it? Oh, no, there's no two. way Lacazette accepts a, a one-year deal if you're Lacazette and you're at the end of your contract when you've got the biggest, strongest negotiating power as a modern-day footballer that you're ever going to have. So I think he, if he stays, he'll demand, and and you can understand why he demand at least a two-year deal. My instinct is if the deal is, you know, as I said last week, if if the deal is not done at this point, yeah. I, I don't think it gets done. But twenty quid, Boyd, that you said last week, the week we had on it, so we'll yeah. see. You must have what do you think, Jeff? Much- You'd like to see him stay or not? Oh, definitely, yeah. I definitely like. I think that elder statesman. He, I think he, he he took it upon himself. I'd offer him the captaincy. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd give him a, a year on on a little bit better money that he's getting at the moment, and and drop down for the for the final year, and promise him that you know he can he's going to go on a free anyway uh, after that. But because I think he's going to collect, he'll collect probably collect. I mean, he's not going to go to the, one of Europe's big hitters. No, I don't think he's going to go to a team that's going to pay him more money than Arsenal are. Um, so he's going to collect more money next year from Arsenal maybe twice as much than he would do from somewhere else. Uh, I think he could buy into it. I really don't. I agree. I, he, does, he doesn't want to go. He, he loves it. He f- absolutely loves Arsenal. Where's he going to get? Where's he going to get the love? Uh, uh, the kind of club that's going to give him the opportunity to play as many games as he's actually playing now for us. And obviously, we're going to try and buy a striker in the summer. We have to, one or two. But the, I guarantee he'll get chances. If we're back in Europe, then we need, mm. we're going to need him as much as we need him now. So yeah. I just don't see it. We and, and in fact, people forget. I said that, I always say this. People always assume, people have been assuming he's going to leave every summer for about the last five years. Yeah. He never has. And I know this feels like the moment, but equally, 
Arteta loves him. The team, the, the squad loves him. He loves Arsenal. I think he'll stay. When we're and anywhere. he's getting better. He's getting better as well. He's getting even better. 100%. His flick. His flick. His little back kick yesterday. I mean, oh my God. Absolutely. Stunning. And the hold-up play, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, it's that time. It's prediction time. We've got this weird situation. There was was a massive gap. There was like a 10-day gap between the last game and the Watford game. Now, coming up, we've got three games in six days. Three massive, massive games in six days. The first of which is Leicester on Sunday. Then it's Liverpool Wednesday. And then Villa Saturday after that. But the Arsenal-Leicester game, Sunday, Jeff, what do you think is going to happen? I don't think they're the same team without Jamie Vardy. Uh, a little isn't bit concerned back, about... He's back now, isn't he? I think. Is he back? Yeah, he's back. He played at the weekend. Yeah, he played really well uh, as well. Yeah. Well, he, yeah. well, he always scores against Arsenal. Now, that changes my view a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think we'll, we'll overcome them. I'm, I'm, I like Harvey Barnes on the left-hand side as well. I think he's a terrific player. And if we didn't have what we've got over on our left-hand side, I'd like, I'd, I'd, I'd like us to be in for someone like that. Um, I, think, I, think, I think we'll beat them 2-1, hopefully. Nice. Josh? I feel very similarly, actually. I'm, I'm also going to say Arsenal to win 2-1. It feels huge because a, a win against Leicester in Liverpool really does feel like a free hit in, in a way. Whereas... Dropping points against Leicester, that that free hit sort of feeling slightly um, differs. So yeah, another huge one. Um, I think I think we can just edge it. I mean, Leicester have been a little bit better of late after you know for them an incredibly disappointing season. Arsenal were very good away at Leicester for large chunks of the game. Um, you know, probably remember Ramsdale probably won't make a better save all season than he did in, in that away game from from the free kick. I, I just think Arsenal will, will have just enough two two one on this board. What do you think? Um, I think I think it's a slightly annoying time to play Leicester because Vardy is back. He, he is, he, you yeah. know, and um, they're starting to play well again. I mean, I know that they only beat Leeds one 0 the weekend, but they've been pretty shit as uh, you know for a long time. And now they're kind of getting it together a bit. So I slightly worry that it might be a draw. I might predict a draw, I think. Yeah, I think I'm going to predict a draw. I feel like you assume we're going to carry on winning every single week. Maybe, and that at some point, that's probably not going to happen. So I'm going to predict two all, um, an action-packed score draw. Um, and I'm going to be fascinated to know what happens to Liverpool. We won't, we'll be back before then, obviously. But that Liverpool game is going to be absolutely fascinating, isn't it? Mm. Yes, because they need they, they need it so much. Often these kind of games come down to who wants it more. And I think Josh's point is interesting that maybe Arsenal will be thinking deep down, deep down, you know, we, we've got a bit of a buffer zone with our rivals for this fourth play. Yeah, fourth but then maybe that gives them, you know, more freedom, you know, in yeah, a way you could argue possibly. And, and they'll think back to how close they were against Man City in that in that home Premier League game where they really went toe-to-toe and, and should have taken at least a point uh, from the game. The Carabao Cup semi-final was, you know, was a, was a bit of a concern and very one-sided. Um, alas, we'll be back to, to do a yeah. preview of that, I guess, next week. But... Can I break the uh, horrible live news to you that Spurs are playing Everton as we speak and after 28 minutes, they're winning 2-0. So that's annoying. Yes, I noticed well... that uh, some minutes ago. But I guess by the time people are listening to this, they will <sighs> have... Uh, being familiar with the result. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. We're still above them. It's fine. Thanks so much, Jeff, as ever. Always a pleasure, boy. Josh, thanks very much for having me. Absolute joy. Great Thank to you. see you, Jeff. Yeah.
We will be back next week. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.